Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're home alone. You have an uneasy feeling in the darkness. Like someone or something is watching you. Why? Is it suddenly cold in this room? You hear footsteps, whispers, or even laughter. You go to check. You feel a presence behind you. And then the fear sets in. I'm K-Town, and you're listening to Paranormal Fears. What I do now is actually, I'm still mostly a paranormal investigator where I go into people's homes and I will investigate the paranormal for them if they have what they believe is activity and they want to figure out what's going on or possibly even stop what's going on. I also work as a demonologist, which in my end, there's various different forms of demonology depending on your belief system. Uh, For me, I work with the Catholic Church because I am a Catholic. And I work very closely with exorcists as well as other Catholic priests. I'm usually their first line of defense when they're dealing with demonic infestations, possessions, oppressions. They will send me in to figure out what kind of activity they're dealing with, if there's validity to the activity. So that's kind of where I go in. I figure out what's going on. If something's going on, what else could be going on instead? I gather the information. I gather the evidence that they can bring forward to the bishop so that they can get their permission to perform an exorcism if needed or a cleansing if needed. So that's kind of what I do now personally. So paranormal investigator, demonologist, lecturer, I kind of teach future investigators about the paranormal as well. So uh, that's where I am there. When it comes to being a person who, in my childhood, I believe that maybe I I might have experienced the paranormal as a kid, but I kind of came from the position of, I never truly believed in the paranormal. I always thought ghost stories were fun and exciting and just spooky, And but I never believed in the paranormal. I always thought it was just you know, just a bunch of nonsense. Even as a little kid, I had this very analytical mind where I could just explain things away. I would see pictures of ghosts and I could say, oh, I could see the string. I can see like the double exposure. I could see, you know, I just didn't want to believe it, believe it. Like I wanted to be excited by it. I wanted to enjoy it. I just didn't believe it until my very first experience, which came when I was an adult. And and that's what actually thrust me into the paranormal was because I actually faced something as an adult that I could no longer reject. And this is the book, right? 
that's when the the book, the book actually gotcha. started. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about that in a moment. And okay. So what's interesting about you is you're a paranormal investigator and you, you call yourself also a demonologist. Now I've yes. interviewed Catholic priests before. I've also interviewed a couple of people. One of them was Matt Baglio, who wrote a book. It was based on the movie, The Right, with with uh, Anthony Hopkins. And yes. uh, then he had, I forgot her name, Lisa Collier Cool is a prominent author. And she actually followed him to some of these investigations and was, no, it wasn't him. It was, it was Starchy, Ralph Starchy. Up in oh, New Ralph Starchy. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. She followed yes, him. Ralph some of his investigations. But Matt Baglio was really interesting because he gained permission to go to Rome and actually, you know, sit with these priests and watch them perform exorcism, which he says, you know, I mean, it's not all it's cracked up to be on TV. However, some of it, the phenomena is really, really terrifying. Have you ever dealt with anything along the lines of stuff that you know, it's so like, um, I mean, spine tingling. I mean, you know that you're dealing with something that is of a lot of strength and is very dark and evil and can really do harm to you. Have you ever oh, faced that? Definitely. The, the first, in fact, what made me decide to become a demonologist was actually the very first experience I ever had with a uh, demonic infestation. And that was something that I did through my own fault. And it's... It was something that I I was being really stupid in my early years as an investigator. We had a property that we owned. My grandmother had passed away and my uncle had passed away. So we had a house that belonged to the family, but nobody lived there. And I thought, what a great chance to study object attachment and how object attachments happen and why they happen and why things continue to be attached to objects without bringing harm to my family by bringing these objects into my home to study them. And so I could put them in somewhere neutral where nobody lives and and that's fine. So I found a doll that this woman claimed that she had, she was a psychic and that she had all of these dolls that had haunted, like she would take these dolls to places where people said that they had spirits they wanted to get rid of. And she would ask the spirit, well, if you would come with me, you can attach to these dolls and, you know, we'll put you up for adoption. You know, she called called it a a spirit adoption agency. And I thought, well, you know what? That's pretty unique. And I want to investigate this. And I was really stupid at the time. And and I should have known that should have been a red flag right there. Should have been a huge red flag. But I, I was so young in my paranormal experiences that I didn't see this red flag. And I didn't have somebody like me at the time to teach me the ways of an investigator. So I, I just stupidly adopted, quote unquote, one of these dolls and brought it into this home to investigate. And things started off very benignly at first. And then things started to kind of build up, especially when I decided to move into the location for a couple days because I was studying to become a canine massage therapist. I I was kind of studying because my dog at the time, who since passed away, sadly, she was a tripod, which means she only had three legs. And I was studying canine massage therapy just to kind of help her along with her after her amputation. And I thought, well, that might be something nice to do, you know, maybe to expand my career a little bit, work with veterinarians. And so I went there where I'd have a quiet place just to study 
where, you know, if my brother came to visit with my nieces and nephews, I could just get away and just study quietly where I didn't have anybody bothering me. And things really started at three o'clock in the morning. I would just hear all literal hell breaking loose. Like I, I would hear slamming and banging and just cabinets like banging around. I thought somebody had broken into the house and my dogs that I brought them with me and they were, they're sweet dogs. They've never made a growl noise in their entire lives. And they were growling. Like my Yoshi was growling. My dojo was cowering and I didn't know what was going on. So I went downstairs with 911 on my phone, ready to dial and hit send. And when I went downstairs, every cabinet was open. Every drawer was open. The basement door was open and the doll that I had put on the couch, this little tiny Ottoman like couch, it's an old seventies like couch. It was sitting on the floor clear across the room and it was perfectly sitting up. It wasn't even just like thrown across the room. It was sitting across the room. Were, were you and home there, by yourself or no? I was by myself. Okay. Absolutely. And the doors were still locked. The windows were still closed and locked. There had been nobody in that house at all. And that's when I noticed every time at three o'clock in the morning, things like that were starting to happen over and over. And so then I started setting up cameras and recorders and I left the house and I wouldn't go back in the house after that. And I left and we, I was capturing all that kind of things happening over. And then finally I captured phantom voices moaning and I captured uh, sounds of clanking and banging and bouncing of balls. Like I, I would leave toys there thinking that you know, cause she told me it was a child spirit attached to the doll. So I would leave toys there and I would find the toys. I would hear balls bouncing off the walls and I would find them rolled all over the floor the next morning. And how, how were so you finally, capturing, you said you were capturing though. Were you recording? Camera, uh, on, camera, camera okay. on audio recordings on, I, you know, I have a video of the ball rolling on, on command. I have audio recordings of the moans at night. I have uh, sounds of the house. I mean, it, it was, starting to get kind of disturbing. And then finally it came to a head one morning when it, it just at three o'clock in the morning, I was just like so scared by everything that had happened. I said, I knew it had to be the doll. So my brother said, look, three o'clock in the morning's not good because that's when, you know, my brother who was a little bit more into the paranormal than I was at the time said, of course, you know, that's the antithesis of 3 PM, which is when we believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins. So 3 a.m. being the antithesis, we think, is the demons mocking the holy hour. So when things happen bad in threes, it's always mocking something holy. So he goes, let's take the doll. Let's just bless it. Let's bury it somewhere far, far away. Let's just get it out of this house. And things got quiet for a little while. And then my mom and I got sick with the flu and we thought nothing of it again. I didn't go back to the house for a couple of weeks. And then I got a phone call. You have a $6,000 water bill, $6,000, wa a $6,000 what? And so I ran to my grandmother's house. You know, we had just gotten over the stomach flu. We were, we were so sick. And when I walked into my grandmother's house, it was raining inside. The, 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 it was literally raining. 
something wait, had wait, wait. Oh, wow. it was it no, was I mean, raining. Like raining like rain like, like raining, outside like no just like outside only in the house in the house was rain like literally the walls were bubbling the ceiling had crumbled on the ups from the upstairs the uh, the dining room ceiling had crumbled and there was like raining like torrential rain coming down and we had a six thousand dollar water bill from the ceiling like just outside like rain 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 regular rain no, Oh, like just it was from the because it was a two-story house and on the what happened was the upstairs bathroom finally we had a plumber come to figure out what had happened we thought a pipe burst or something and he's like no what happened was somebody unscrewed this tiny little valve he goes and it's he goes it's the dangest thing he's like this didn't pop off this didn't rust off this didn't break off somebody unscrewed this valve and placed it on the side of the toilet. And this water has been running and running and running and running until finally it caused such a flood that it just flooded the entire house, caused the ceiling to crumble and just destroyed this house, caused $35,000 worth of damage and $6,000 water bill from all of the flooding. Something unscrewed the toilet. Okay, well, I thought when, you were saying it was literally like rain outside. Rain it was inside. raining. No, like raining inside the house because the the water from the bathroom was had caused a flood, and it was raining down after after flooding the from the second floor to the first floor. Mm-hmm. Just and it like was raining rain. down everywhere, just like it was water. just everywhere. There was like a ankles worth of water, and there's no way that would have. He said, "There's no way that could have happened unless somebody came into the house and unscrewed that on purpose." Right. And nobody had been there in that house. So we were reconstructing the house. And when I started taking pictures to show my brothers, because they lived downstate and they wanted to make sure that everything was going well with the reconstruction, I started sending them pictures. And my brother was just like, wait, 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 what is that in the photo? And what he saw, and I didn't see at the time until he showed me the picture, was a face that was so frightening and so demonic that I realized. When we buried that doll after everything that had happened, whatever was with that doll did not leave that house. It was still there. It was still there. That's a lot. And, and this yeah. is your mother's, your mother's home? That was my, that was my mom's, that was my grandmother's home that went okay. to my, me and my mom after she had passed away. Got you. And so let me ask you something. Before that happened, did your mom experience any paranormal activity that, did no. you ever see anything or? No, my mom didn't believe in the paranormal at all Mm -hmm. until this started happening at the house. And then she refused to go to the house when, because I started showing her the videos and the audio of what I had been collecting when I brought the doll. She got scared of that doll. And she said that that doll was not allowed at our house because I said, well, you know, let's, because I was going to bring it to my house for a few minutes before I brought it to my grandmother's house. And she's like, that doll's not allowed anywhere near me. That doll has got to go. She was so scared of that doll. Yeah. She claims that she doesn't believe in the paranormal, but she was terrified of that doll from the word go. Yeah. And as soon as that as soon as we saw that picture of that face, she made me call the priest right away to come and bless that house. And that did not go easy. That was not an easy blessing okay. to get rid of that thing. Man, spirits, I'm I'm a believer. Spirits totally can live in dolls. And I think there's something to that. Like there's some type of 
uh, history where oh, there's a big history. Built, you know, they made dolls so spirits can live in them. You know. Yep. There, there's a big history there with that. Yeah. So I want to give plenty of time to talk about your book here, and I want to talk about a little bit later talking about some of your your work with the churches. I find that very interesting too. But let's talk about the, your book. Is called The Ghost. In the coal cellar. Okay. And you were experiencing all this stuff. Let me first ask you, did you, all this stuff that transpired that you talk about in this book happened to you alone and no one else was in there? Well, actually this particular one is, I didn't talk about the demon from this house in this book. It's, this one is actually going to be in my second book. Uh, the ghost in the coal cellar actually happened at the first word schoolhouse. Oh, got you, got you, got you. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to get that. Yeah, this up. one's, okay. yeah, this one is, uh, this one is how I became basically a demonologist. And my brother experienced it. My mom did experience it eventually. And, you know, my other brother witnessed the photograph, but uh, the priest experienced a lot of the pushback from when he did come to get rid of the demonic activity. Really? Okay. Yeah. Tell us where this took place. Tell us about it and, you know, where it's located. Ghost in the Coal Cellar, specifically, it's a combination of a few different stories of uh, the investigations I've done over the years. But the specific title comes from the First World Schoolhouse in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin. The First World Schoolhouse is, it's actually a very haunted location. And it was, at the time, it was owned by Justin Libbigs and... It was, he was trying to convert it into a family home. And that's when he was noticing that as he was converting it, the more he worked on it, the more that a lot of things were starting to happen. He was getting so much paranormal activity. There was activity from what he described as children, like spirits of children. But he was also getting something in what used to be the coal room that would heat the schoolhouse. And he said that's something a little bit more malicious down there was happening. Eventually, he did open it up for paranormal investigators to come out and to take a look at things. Uh, ben Hansen, I, I don't know if you know Ben Hansen. Yeah, I know he's. Mm -hmm. um, ben Hansen was there that day that happened, and he was actually playing a school teacher. He tried to pretend to, because back then at the schoolhouse, they used to discipline kids with paddles. They used to paddle the kids to beat them on the butt to, you know, when they get out of line. So he when pretended I went to, to be. school, they were paddling. Oh, they in third still grade, <laughs> paddling in third grade. Yeah, now see, I missed all that. I was thankful for that. We missed that where I was. But um, yeah, he pretended to be a real mean school teacher that was going to paddle the kids. And I caught on my recorder, and I gave this to Ben. Um, he was real happy for it. But I caught on my on an EVP of a little kid starting to just frantically cry and beg him not to. Really? Because, you know, they're very terrified. A child just absolutely terrified that he well, was about well, to be paddled. That's interesting. Okay. So, and that was caught by like an EVP machine. Yeah. Lots of, mm -hmm. yeah, that was caught by an EVP machine. Could you we hear also it clearly? Had, I mean, was he? Oh, you very clearly. Hear the I mean, crying and sobbing. It clearly? was, oh, it was. It was beyond clear. This was, there are three different classes of EVPs. Class A is super clear. And then you get like the class C's where it's barely audible, but you know something is there. This was probably better than a class A. I mean, this was a child just crying and begging him not to. And there were no children there at all. There was absolutely not a single child in the, I mean, everyone was a grown adult. And this was, this had to be somebody that was maybe about the voice based on the tenure of the voice. It had to be like a, maybe a six or seven year old at the oldest. 
Did any tragedies happen at that schoolhouse? Anybody died? There were there were a few tragedies at the schoolhouse. I there was a little girl from um, what I remember who had been killed outside of the schoolhouse in an accident. I I'm trying to remember her name. Um, unfortunately, I don't remember it offhand. But there was a little girl that had been killed in front of the schoolhouse. And like I said, it was a it was it wasn't like some anything malicious or anything bad. But it was a pure accident. It was a very fast accident. Unfortunately, uh, but her spirit is believed to still be there. And we do hear a little girl's spirit very often. Um, she appears on my audio very frequently, and it's the same voice very frequently. And then there was a boy also that is believed to have died there up um, during I believe, a fire that happened there. You said it was a fire. Uh, Your audio went a out. Fire. It a fire. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. A fire. Yeah. Okay. Let me ask you something about the coal. You said you called the coal cell. So that's something they use to heat. I imagine it's un- up underneath the school somewhere. Underneath that- the school. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So when you went in and did your investigation, I guess Ben was there, but whoever might may be there. I don't know. But did you guys do it during the day or did you do it at night or do you have a preference when you? Do your investigation. The, um, well, the, the investigation went on. I mean, it, it was pretty much a all-encompassing, but for the most part, it was in the evening. And it was actually kind of funny. We lost a couple people that day. Uh, it was a couple day long, and we lost a few people. During the first part, I actually got physically attacked. And Really? What happened? What happened? Well, we were sitting there in a in the call room itself, and I actually started to feel as if somebody had their hand around my throat. You could feel like the thumb on one side and the fingers around my throat on the other side, you, and you could feel the fingers. So you knew it was a, a hand because you could feel the pressure points, and it just started squeezing. And I couldn't breathe and my face was going white and somebody asked if I'm okay. And I'm just kind of like, I'm, I'm trying not to scare anybody because, you know, at this time I'm a little bit more seasoned and I, I just know that there are, there are investigators that are not as seasoned as I am and I don't want to scare them. So I'm just making the sign of the cross on my knee and I'm praying very quietly in my head and I'm, and I'm telling it to let go, let go, let go. And finally it lets go. And then after a while, it kind of eases up just a little bit. And I'm just like, you know, did anybody else feel that heaviness in the room? And, you know, and I could, I'm just kind of rubbing my neck a little bit. And somebody leans in and says, you've got like this weird marks on your neck. And I'm like, trust me, I'll explain about that later. And these two people are just like, I felt that I saw that and I'm leaving. They got up and they never came back. They never came. They just left they refused to come back. I mean, they thought I thought they were just going to leave the coal room and not come back to the coal room. They left the entire event and, and they just they couldn't handle it. That, that thing got so dark and so heavy and so scary there that they couldn't take it because that was a moment where whatever was in that room did not like us being there at all. Let me ask you something about the. Uh the building itself. Um, you mentioned in your book, it's one of the oldest, uh, you know, still standing school buildings, I guess, in, in your state. Are you guys having to get permission from someone to, to conduct your investigations? I mean, who runs or, or, or are they currently offering it to teams that want to go in? Um, at that time, at that time, uh, Justin, who was the owner was able to allow whoever, 
that he wanted in. He was allowed to let people in. As of right now, I do not know. I believe there was a zoning issue with the actual county. I don't know if it was the county or with the city of Wisconsin Rapids, because I know that I did want to go back because I was just really fascinated with that place because the activity was just incredible. I, I, it was one of these places I saw a full body apparition of a child and that, and that same child followed me around all night trying to protect me. And, and I even caught an EVP of that child saying, okay, you're safe because I left the coal room after I had been attacked. And that child was just around me the whole, and I was just fascinated. I wanted to go back so bad, but there were zoning issues that where he wasn't allowed to have investigators in, I guess. Somebody had told me. So if anybody is interested in the First World Schoolhouse, I haven't had because I have been so busy with private investigations. I just haven't had time to do public investigations like that since. And so I haven't really reached out to him to find out. But if anybody is interested in the First World Schoolhouse, Justin Libigs would probably be the first one to ask or to search for the First World Schoolhouse and do your own research to find out. All right. Very good. And that school bill that he's standing in front of is gigantic. I mean, it is just truly it's huge. Big. It's big. And it's just beautiful. They did so much work on it. I mean, he he did an amazing job trying to keep it just in the beautiful condition that it was when it was first built. He tried to maintain that authentic feel from back when um, it was first built in the 1800s. And he did, he just did such a fantastic job. Yeah, very good. And, uh, and I love old schoolhouses here in Tennessee. I know that I took a road off of, it's called Medcalf Bottoms. And I happened to take a road. It said, um, it's up in the Smoky Mountains and it said, okay, you can go tour, you know, like us, an old school. So we took the road and the school was still there, very small school. And then we look around and there's a graveyard, like right in front of that little school was all old. So back in that time period, they were actually burying, you know, kids that died. I mean, not even 30 feet Ugh. from that school too. I thought, wow, this is, this is crazy. I know that site has to be, I just, to me, I, I think it's oh, yeah. very, very haunted. I want to ask you, because you asked the question in your book, you know, there, there were two documented deaths at that location. So why were there other spirits there as well? Did you bring in um, maybe a, a psychic medium to see what they can find out? Do you ever do that or did you do it at this location? Um, well, I think a lot of people, we never actually brought in, like there was one there and, you know, a lot of them have their own opinions. Um, there is a cemetery not that far away and also, there's just a lot of tragedy that just not only is there a lot of emotion that went there, you know, a lot of like the paddling and a lot of just there were some bad things that happened there as well that I really don't want to go into because it's not something that, you know, that I don't really think should be talked about right okay. now because you know, it totally fine. It, we'll say, we'll say bad. We'll just say very bad things. Okay. Allegedly happened there. I got you. Um, and I so think I know where you're going of, with it. I think I know. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of deep emotion basically mm -hmm. uh, from what I've been told. Let me tell you something about that real quick. If that did happen, yeah. I think I know what you're saying. Yeah. That alone, that type of trauma, to kids? Are you talking about something like that happening? Yeah, it's like to deep, kids? deep yeah. emotion, trauma, like, yeah. you know, that kind of, yeah. That kind of, that kind of activity can open up demonic portals, by the way. I'm just yeah. saying that. I, oh, I heard yeah, that yeah. from, from a Catholic priest. Your book also noted that there were nuns 
who first noted paranormal activity in the 20s there. Can you tell us about that? I guess they they experienced, I mean, it was just a very short blurb that I was able to find out from some of those that were that were telling me a little bit about the history is that they also experienced some activity. They tried to they tr- they tried to have it like, you know, purified. They tried to do blessings and a lot of people think that blessing a place or um, having an expulsion of a place or an exorcism is a one and done and then it's over with. And a a lot of people think that, hey, you know, if I'm going to have a blessing, then everything's going to be great and we're going to move on our merry little way and uh, everything's done and we're never going to have this again. And I, I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but that's not always the case. I mean, I wish there was a magic pill when it comes to the paranormal and the supernatural, but sometimes it's not always a one and done. I mean, if you look at the case of Roland Doe, who inspired The Exorcist, his exorcism took months. It took months before he was finally liberated. Uh, It's not always a once and done, just like in the case of like the nuns who experienced some activity or some kind of like spiritual feelings at that place. Even with blessings, it doesn't necessarily mean they were able to liberate that place during the time when they were there. And that's why it could carry on. And not only that, but... They also brought in, I don't know if you have ever heard of the Lemp Mansion. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They have, at least at the time, I don't know if they still do, but at the time that I investigated there, they had beds from the Lemp Mansion as well. Oh, wow. Uh, they had, some of the yes, people died some. in those beds. Yes. Yes, they wow, did. And uh, they had, in fact, one of the rooms where we had a lot of the that the height of the activity happened to be in the room where the beds from the Lemp Mansion actually were. So um, that is another thing is there were that could also cause activity is bringing in objects that may already have some supernatural activity attached to it as well. So gotcha. well, I tell you, another interesting thing you do talk about in your book is, you know, you're trying to figure out why. And I know this pertains really to any place that may be haunted. You may have spirits there that didn't die there. You know, somehow they found their way in that space. So why do you think that happens? Why do you think some spirits are just attracted to certain locations, even though they didn't die in those locations? I think there's actually many reasons. I mean, the the paranormal is, well, the paranormal for one thing is it's paranormal because we can't explain it in scientific means. I mean, if we could, it wouldn't be paranormal. Uh, so it's really hard to pinpoint a certain, just one specific answer. But I think we can nail it down to spirits are like a lot of them, unless we're talking about like inhuman, but if let's, let's just speak about human spirits. Human spirits are basically us. And do you like to stay home all day? Do you like, I mean, I I know me, I like to go, my favorite place is Deadwood, South Dakota. I love going Deadwood. I love going Mackinac Island. I love going, I love traveling. You know, I love to be a, like they call me a free spirit, literally. So I can imagine that if I were not to cross over, I would probably be a wanderer. I would want to travel. And sometimes I may find a spot that I'd be like, hey, I'd like to stay here for a little while. I'd, I'd like to vacate 
vacation here, maybe for a couple months, you know, and just some spirits are attached to a specific item. They, they believe that it's theirs. It reminds them of life. It reminds them, it gives them this ability to think like, no, I am not dead. I am not, this is my, this, this reminds me that I, of my mortality, I refuse to give it up and they will follow it wherever it goes, like the lump beds. And if they were attached to those beds, if this was a memory of their mortality and they refuse to let it go, they will follow it wherever it goes. So if they followed it from the Lemp Mansion to the First Ward schoolhouse, well, then, you know, that's how they would end up there. So it could be an object attachment. So you got wandering spirits, you got object attachments. Sometimes they might be attached to a personality, like a spirit could be a wandering spirit and then be attached to somebody that might remind them of someone they knew in their life, a personality, a an aura of somebody, and just kind of attached to a person. And unfortunately, that, that does often happen. And that's why a lot of times we have to come in and do some kind of a detachment of a person themselves in order to get rid of a paranormal event, because the spirit's not attached to a place. It's not attached to an object and it's not attached to a, a thing. It's attached to a person because they are just enamored with the personality or an aura of a person because it just reminds them of somebody. So there are different reasons, I think, that a spirit that didn't originally haunt a location could end up in a location and decide to stay. Interesting. And uh, there's another section I want to talk about, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. It's it's two. It's number two, and um, it's Mission Point Resort. Is that up your way somewhere, or is it in another state? Oh yes, it's an it's on Mackinac uh, Mackinac Island in the Upper Peninsula. Well, it depends. I mean, the we call them the trolls. Uh, they live downstate in Michigan. They like to claim Mackinac Island as well. Uh, but the Upers, which are in the UP of Michigan, we also like to call Mackinac Island the upper part. The upper part. We like to all claim Mackinac Island, but that is part of Michigan, and that is where Mission Point Resort is. Got you, and. Uh, so there's been some some deaths there. Oh, there's Mission uh, Mackinac Island. If you love the paranormal and you love ghosts and you love hauntings, just go to Mackinac Island because that whole island is pretty much one ghost story. I mean, I mean, Ma Mission Point Resort, yeah, but that whole entire island is a solid ghost story right there. Is it? Is it a true island? Like you have to take a boat there? It is a is true it? island. Okay. You have to take a boat. Yeah, you have to take a ferry. Uh, where I live, you could take a ferry from St. Ignace straight across. If you're downstate um, under the bridge, I believe you take Take it from Mackinac City and uh, you go that way. All right. So let's talk about uh, Mackinac, Mackinac Island. I haven't heard of it. Tell me about, you know, what does it look like? Is it a little town there? People live there? Um, is it a People, vacation point? I mean, what is it? It's, vacation it's spot? It's mostly a vacation place. If you've ever seen the movie Somewhere in Time uh, with Christopher Reeves yeah, uh, and oh, James yeah, Stewart, yes. that's very that's old where it movie. was filmed. Yeah. It's, it's, that's where it was filmed. Uh, normally, that was the one time they made a no vehicle exception because in the on the island, you usually are not allowed to have vehicles. Uh, you can only use a bike, a horse, or your own feet. Uh, no cars, no motorcycles, no um, nothing, no scooters, nothing like that. It's just 
it, it's just, it's almost like it's locked in time, like literally like from the 1800s. But uh, they, during that movie, they wanted to show the transition from future to past by, you know, allowing vehicles just that one time. But that's where the movie was filmed is on Mackinac Island. And it's just a beautiful place. I mean, it's mostly a resort where people go for vacation, but there are people that live there year round and they're pretty isolated come winter. Uh, in order to get around, you have to have basically either a horse-drawn sleigh or like like a snowmobile in order to get around because that's pretty much the only way it's going to happen. Was, wasn't but, there yeah. like a gigantic hotel or something on that? There is. There is. There's two really big hotels that are really well known. It's the Grand Hotel, which is where Somewhere in Time was filmed. And then there is Mission Point Resort, which is uh, where my story comes from. Gotcha. Okay. So tell me about that area. And what, why is it so haunted? Was there a lot of, I mean, you talk about the, this in your book where seven women were drowned. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, there was a. Tell me about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, it, this is. There's a lot of indigenous burial grounds there. Um, even to this day, as they do a lot of reconstruction, they will unearth bones, usually of indigenous people, and thankfully they will identify them and send them back to their uh, descendants for proper burials. You, do you know who the indigenous people were? I mean, what nationality were they? Um, I believe there were. There were a couple different tribes, okay, I believe. Mackinac Island was originally a place where I believe three different tribes would go and send their families to the Great Spirit. This is where this was basically a burial land for uh, this was basically sacred land to them before people started moving in on it. And then it started to be built up on. And so there's constantly unearthing bones and everything. Oh, my God. When it came so they're, to the- they're living on top of graveyards. On that island. Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. They were they were moving and, and to this day they're still finding they're still finding bones and everything that they're unearthing. And then when it came to the women, the this is called the drowning pool, and this is not far from Mission Point Resort. And it's very this didn't happen very long after the Salem witch trials. And it was it's just basically the same thing that happened. It was just men, fur traders, usually they would come to the island and they would start to have their little affairs with women of ill repute. And they would get caught with their pants down, basically. And they, in or instead of just saying, "Hey, you know, my bad," they would just start saying, "She put a spell on me." Because they would remember what happened, you know, from their trades, you know, they would because they had been traveling with their fur trades and they heard what happened in Salem, and so they used that. And so they drowned the women to see if they were guilty or not. And if they sunk and died, they were innocent. And if they floated, then they were guilty. And unfortunately, all of them were innocent. And there have been shadows seen over the uh, drowning pool. There have been orbs of light that could be seen with the naked eye over the drowning pool. So did you see anything when you was out there? When I was out at the drowning pool, I did not personally witness anything, but there were many people who had been there uh, several times that said that they personally have witnessed a lot of different weird things at the drowning pool. Have you seen any uh, photographic uh, evidence of like orbs or lights or anything floating around? Somebody did. At the drowning pool, someone did show me, it wasn't an orb of light, but it was a very strangely shaped shadow figure that was standing just in the center 
of the pool. So like somebody, it was hovering over the center as if something was walking in the middle of the pool itself. And that is a very deep area. So you couldn't just kind of like walk over there to take a picture. I mean, you would have, you would have be like neck high in the center of the drowning pool if you were there. So, well, I've been looking at the pictures and it's amazing. I mean, it is beautiful. I might have to go there. Uh, it's a gorgeous summer. place to go. It's a beautiful place to go. I love Mackinac Island, not just for the haunted history, but they, the chocolate and the fudge. And, oh, wow, look at the Sanders downtown. Chocolatiers. Sanders wow. Chocolatiers is one of my favorite places in the world. Chocolatiers. There we go. I'll be there. <laughs> Maybe first Ugh. place I hit when I get there. It life looks size really beautiful. Chocolate really. shoes. Life-size chocolate shoes. They have these chocolate high heels that you could either wear or eat. It's up to you. That's <laughs> <laughs> <I hear> <laughs> ah, funny. That is funny. Kim would get a kick out of that. I'll tell her about that. She loves heels, you know, but she'd probably eat them because she loves chocolate oh, too. They're- Oh, they are delicious. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you for telling me about this island. It is gorgeous. I'm looking at all the Mackinac, Mackinac Island. Wow. Yeah, I'm definitely going to go there. Okay, so tell me about like, you know, you've you've conducted a lot of paranormal investigations. I'm wondering about yes. like, have can you tell me about some of your um, you know, maybe a business? Do you? I, I imagine you investigate like businesses and other places like where people shop. Have you? had the opportunity to do that? And have you faced any, you know, like highly active locations? One of my favorite locations was locally, there was a Wakefield Historic Museum here in Wakefield, Michigan. They actually called me in because they said they didn't know what to do anymore because their curators were constantly getting bothered by spirits. And it was so cute because they're just like, we don't know what to do. We keep seeing like this tall lumberjack guy that keeps coming in and out and he doesn't bother anybody, but he's scaring people and we can't have him doing that. Could could you come in and, you know, so I came in and what's, what's sure he, enough, what was he doing walking around he's walking. walking around he was digging in the garbage <laughs> one day <laughs> he was he was bending over the garbage and she thought it was uh one one of them thought it was her husband and she told him what are you doing and the guy turns up looks at her and she realizes it's not her husband and then he disappears and just scares the pants off of her and her husband comes out of the bathroom it's like why are you yelling at me and she's all, you know, white. And then, she, you know, she's like, you know, we can't have that, you know, because we're going to lose curators and we're going to, you know, we might lose a few, you know, looky lose. And we just, we can't have this. And sure enough, I come there and I get a bunch of activity. Uh, I had the spirit call me a cow. I, I was a little bit heavier at the time. So I, I guess. Wait, wait, I wait, wait, wait. <laughs> 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 He wasn't happy with me. He was a grumpy that day. Listen, I'm not making funny. I'm saying, but that is rude. That's so. That rude. was rude. He was rude. Yeah, he called me a cow that day. He was he was grumpy that day. He was he was not he was not rude that day. Oh no. But I had this idea of like, hey, you know. This particular place, you know, it lives on donations because they're a free museum. Why don't we hold ghost tours so I could teach people a little bit about the paranormal because so many people were interested in it at the time. So I started holding ghost tours and I think that's why he got upset and that's why he called me a cow that day because he didn't like all that activity. 
Well, one day a mom brought her daughter in and her daughter was 14 years old. And I didn't like having kids that young. I said 16 and older, as long as you have a parent. And then after that, after like 18, fine. But she convinced me that her daughter could handle it. So we were upstairs where the most activity happened. And she sat in her mom's lap because she was getting a little nervous. And all of a sudden she said she felt something like crawling up her leg, like fingers crawling up her leg. And then she felt something tug her hair. And all of a sudden my, it's called an electroscope. It's just basically like a static charged light. It turned on and then it just basically moved across the table all by itself. Like something pushed it across the table and she nearly fainted. Like, I mean, this poor girl, they had to carry her out practically, drive her home and then come back without her because this thing had rubbed its hand up her leg, up to her shoulder, kind of pulled her hair and then shoved the light across the table, all just because it wasn't happy having these ghost tours going on at the time. And so, yeah, at least I was able to prove that they were, did have something going on and, and you know, and tell them, hey, it's, it's harmless. It's just grump, a grumpy old guy that's kind of kind of wants to be left alone. So just ignore it. Just be respectful. Ignore him. It's probably something of his is here in the museum and he's trying to find it. Just let him do his thing and it'll be okay. Well, I can tell you that they are salt. Listen, you know, I still look at Kim and say, I, I cannot believe we really saw a ghost and the lady in this building that we um, live next to uh, there was an old lady that appeared at this door that was right next door to us in the hallway. And I said hi to her. Kim saw her. I saw her. The lady never spoke. And then we talked to the lady that really lived in that apartment and asked her if she lived, you know, with her mother. No, I live by myself. I don't live with anybody. I've never lived with anybody. I'm from Texas, you know. And yeah. I told her, well, we saw a lady going into this door and we look at that door. And we didn't realize there's two doors that go into that apartment and there's a kitchen door. There's a, I mean, there's a kitchen table in front of the door so nobody can get in front of the door. But then <laughs> she tells us she bought that apartment from an old lady. And I thought, oh. holy shit. I mean, <laughs> we saw her clear as day. Never forget it. And, you know, we just, it's before I started doing podcasts, you know, the, we would have uh, light bulbs just blow out and, yeah. you know, we'd hear like, things shoving like our uh like a drawer or something like that like somebody just slammed it or something like that and i go back yeah. and ask hey kim did you do that she's like no i didn't do it didn't know what it was you know <laughs> and just weird like our nothing would stay lit like we have night lights everywhere they would all blow out just weird stuff happening yeah and then you know we saw her and and it's crazy now we know what it was and then you know that was a couple of years before we started doing podcasts but you know just to to know that we saw it and so i i totally believe people when they say they see ghosts and i i do believe that there are many times where we see real ghosts real paranormal activity real people say, but they're not we don't realize that they're not exactly you know alive or whatever it's, exactly it's, and yeah. and that just happened my mom in fact we were at the cemetery it was real funny we were at the cemetery just recently i live in a very small town and there's three things to do go drive around the cemetery go to walmart or mcdonald's so that that's pretty much it uh that that's the, the town i live in unfortunately uh so we were at the cemetery because that's that's one of the things to do 
And I had pulled over because I saw this really cute fat crow. I love, I love animals. I'm just, I just, every time I see a cute animal, I have to pull over and go, oh my God. And so I saw this really cute fat crow because it was the fattest thing I had ever seen. And it was just the cutest. I just, I wanted to like pinch its little beak. It was so cute. And my mom had seen this woman standing by this one grave and she thought it was weird because it was like 89 degrees out and she was wearing a flannel shirt and long pants and she had very long hair kind of just hanging down and she thought it was strange because it was so hot outside. And I just told her, I'm like, mom, look at this crow. It is so fat and cute. And she turns and looks at it. And as soon as she looks at it, it flies away. And she goes, ooh, that's a bad omen. And then she turns back to look at the woman. And because she was going to say, look at that woman over there. That's kind of weird. She's dressed so hot. And as soon as she turned and looked back, the woman was gone. And it was a wide open expanse and we're turning and we looked everywhere. And I'm like, unless this is, this woman's got like hyper speed shoes where she could just like take off at like zero to Mach seven, you know, I would still be able to see her in any direction. And she just did not exist. This woman, and I'm like, and my mom, she doesn't, my mom doesn't imagine things. My mom still, even though she's seen things. And when that whole thing happened at my grandma's house with the, the doll that I brought in like an idiot and, and we had to get the priest involved. And, 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 you know, that was a good thing because that's how I got involved in demonology. Thanks to this priest, you know, he kind of guided me, but you know, she still does not want to believe in ghosts. She still doesn't want to believe in them. So when I tell you that she swears to this moment that she just saw a ghost, I, I believed her because she does not want to believe in ghosts. And now she does. So I went out there and I investigated and I, I took a little ball and I took my, I took like a cat toy that's motion activated and I took my K2 meter and I set it all up and I was able to discern that it's not somebody buried there. It was somebody visiting a loved one that's buried there. So it's oh, wow. uh, kind of interesting, but she said it looked like such a real, she goes, it wasn't just see-through, it wasn't a see-through person. It uh -huh. wasn't like a typical ghost. It was a person. She yeah. goes, it, it looked like a regular person. Yeah, regular person. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally solid. Totally real. Yeah. And you know what's, what's interesting about this that is so crazy. Kim saw this same lady had to have a little girl going into that door. Okay. It was so creepy. It was, makes it so creepy. But also when I saw her, she looked right at me. She did. I mean, you know, it's like she turned her head, you know, and I, she didn't say anything. She just had this yeah. like death stare on her face. And I go in and I'm like, you know, she's a bitch. You didn't talk to me. You know what I'm saying? And, and <laughs> yeah. I thought she was so rude, you know, and, and, and Kim was like, well, I saw her too. And she didn't say nothing to me, but I didn't know <laughs> she wasn't but alive. Yeah. You know what but I mean? But at least, at least, you know, it's an intelligent haunt. Yeah. It's an intelligent haunting. You, you know? So yes. That's just so wicked, though. Who was the yeah. little girl that she had yeah. going into the door? You know what I'm saying? So it's like the, crazy. The weird thing is, I wonder if she's maybe a guide. A guide? Like maybe okay. like, like a spirit that, like maybe the little girl was a recently deceased, like maybe in that same location passed uh, away uh, and she's, and she died a lot longer and maybe she was helping the little girl. Like maybe she took the recently deceased little girl and was kind of guiding her. Yeah. That's, so that's a that, good, yeah. yeah. She could be, you know, taking her to the light or taking her to the other side or something. Or know? just kind of showing her around until she is ready to cross over. Because yeah. that's another possibility. Yeah. I mean, Kim saw the little girl and the lady. So yeah, it's amazing. You, okay. All right. So Andrea, you do a lot of, you know, you've been on TV a lot. You've been on Travel Channel, Discovery, 
Uh, so you've been on the haunting, uh, season 11, 10, talking about demonology and then uh, fright club discovery. Plus I haven't seen that one. Is that one oh, still it's on? Great. Is fright club still it on is, or no? It is. It's they, uh, they just started season two. They're on episode five of season two. I did the first season. I did about four episodes in the first. That was so funny though. When I, when I first got the call to do the show, um, I do have an episode on season two that hasn't aired yet. So I'm really looking forward to that. But yeah, that's with Jack Osborne and the ghost brothers. Cool. Yeah. Oh, um, they're, they are so, funny it's like and my I'm favorite tell you, they're the I only have, ones i watch of the teams on tv i'm gonna tell you i have like such a thing for the ghost brothers okay i i have been following <laughs> them since they started and i got the call they they told me there's this new project called fright club uh-huh. and we really would like you to be an expert uh on the show and they kind of explained to me and i thought hey this sounds really cool this is this is like really awesome like you know i really i really you know like this yeah sure i'll do it i love it you know and they're like okay so this is gonna be and they explained to me how it's done and you know via skype and all this other stuff and so i get my hair done i get my makeup done i get all ready i get the skype set up and i'm like really excited like i'm going to do, 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 do i'm gonna be on tv this is gonna be fun okay i'm and then the camera pops on and they can't see me yet because um they have to do the countdown and everything like that but i can see them nobody told me that it was jack osborne and the ghost brothers <laughs> and i'm telling you the ghost brothers to me are like Elvis to like my mom's generation. Okay. When it comes to the paranormal, the ghost brothers are like my Elvis. And so I'm not prepared to be meeting Elvis. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm like having a panic attack right now. I'm like, Oh my God. Is my hair, uh, my, my makeup. Oh oh my God. (laughs) It's Juwan. It Juwan sitting right there. He's going to be looking at me. Oh, and I'm, I'm, I am freaking out. And, and the, and the producers in my ear, like, are you okay? That's and I'm funny. like, that's the ghost brothers and Jack Osborne. And he's like, yeah. Didn't anybody tell you? I'm like, no, no, they did not. <laughs> and, and he's just like, oh, I thought everybody knew why I, I, we told everybody. I'm like, you didn't tell me. That's and funny. I'm about to meet my my television hero. That's cool. And now I'm gonna. And I'm, but yeah, that was like. But you know what? They were awesome. And then I finally got to meet them in person. For it took me. You know what? And I worked with them. It was I worked with them on Fright Club for four episodes, and it still took me like over an hour and a half to get the courage to go up and ask for a picture and an autograph when I met really? them in person. That's but funny. They are the best guys in the, I'm telling you, they are, they are the best guys in the world. They I mean, cool. if you ever have a chance to meet them in person, do it. Yeah, they're cool. Do it. They're my favorite I love, anyway. I, I don't I watch love. any of the other ones. They, but they're funny. I watch it because they're, they're funny, you know, with it. They really, oh, they're hilarious know, good characters in there. Hilarious. Dalen, Marcus, Juwan. Yeah. I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you. I do. And I want to awesome. tell you, it's cute to hear you fan out over them. And maybe I'll, I'll <laughs> I do. Them I still fangirl. I still fangirl over them. <laughs> they are literally, they are, you know, and like I said, they are the sweetest to their fans. I'm telling you, like they take their time with their fans and they are so, when they meet their fans, they, you could tell that they are so appreciative of, of the fans. And I just, I, I just adore them. I just, I really adore them. And there's another one you do uh, is most terrifying places. Is that one still yep. going or no? 
Um, that one was, there's different there's variations of it. Yeah, they, there's different seen. variations of it. There's most haunted places in America. There was most haunted places in Britain, most terrifying places. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was the most terrifying places 2019. Got you. Okay. That's awesome. You've got a new one here, a haunting travel channel, uh, season 11 and it's demonology. Okay. So you're recounting a true story. What story yes. is that? That one is a story of a local couple that I had helped. They were having, and this was actually what was really cool about this story is I really loved the ability to tell the fact that not all malicious hauntings are demonic. People think that whenever you encounter a spirit that's ornery, cranky, or sometimes even a little dangerous, that it is demonic. Um, And sometimes there may be a little bit of the demonic maybe assisting, but it's not always a demonic infestation. In this case, it was a human spirit of the previous owner who had died on the location at that particular cabin where they were having this issue. It was a young couple that had gotten married. They were newlyweds. They wanted to move into this cabin to start their life together, a little more isolated away from like, you know, the hustle and bustle of the city and just things just got so bad that the wife had been attacked and she was being strangled. She couldn't breathe. And she left him for a little while. She's like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving. You can stay here if you want, but you're not staying here. I'm not staying with you. It's going to be basically me or this place. And that's when he reached out to me and said, we got to do something. I, I can't do this anymore. It's going to, it's going to kill my wife basically. Or, you know, I, I we got to do something. And that's when I got involved and I brought um, my friends from the Calumet Paranormal Society, John and Don Grathoff. They came with me to investigate. And then I brought the priest, Father uh, Rob Yurkovich. He is the one who came to do the expulsion of the spirits that were there. Uh, There was a a pretty bad spirit, basically. Um, and then there was a good spirit that we did. It didn't make the show because there's only so much time. There's only so much information you can put into a show. Um, but there was a more protective spirit that was trying to help the family and to protect them from this darker, more malicious spirit. But it was a little weaker and it couldn't only do so much. And so Father Rob finally got rid of the malicious spirit and was able to set the kinder spirit free and let the kinder spirit cross over. Over because its job was done. And so that's basically what that episode of A Haunting was about. Got you. Wow. Okay. So why don't you tell my listeners where they can find out more information about you or any other upcoming books or projects you may be working on? You can find me actually, if you go to um, Facebook and search for Expose the Night Paranormal, that uh, is my official Facebook page, but you'll actually find me more frequently on TikTok right now. Um, I actually am just having a lot of fun making TikTok videos on the paranormal. Sometimes I talk a little bit about the Johnny Depp trial, like entertainment news, or sometimes about animals, because again, I am just, I love animals, Uh, but mostly about the paranormal, and you could search me there at haunted gal. I also have a link on my Facebook page where you'll be able to just find me there. And I sometimes post my paranormal videos on Facebook as well. So if you don't have TikTok, you can find me on Facebook. And if you do have TikTok, you'll be able to find me at haunted gal or just go to my Facebook page and you'll be able to find a link to my TikTok there. If you need to reach out to me via email, or if you want a copy of my book, just email me at catholicandrea at gmail.com. Again, that's all in 
information you can find on my official Facebook page by searching Expose the Night Paranormal. The book is called The Ghost in the Cold Cellar, uh, True Case Files from a Lone Investigator, and that is available on Amazon. Andrea Message, my special guest, Andrea, many blessings to you, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I had a lot of fun. Thank you for listening. I invite you to follow my other podcast, Mysterious Radio. Please share this show with others that are interested in the paranormal. I want to give a special thanks to our co-creator and executive producer, Kim Kyle, who brought this show to you today. And working hard behind the scenes, our team of four, I want to thank them as well. I am your host, K-Town. And you're listening to Paranormal Fears. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.